quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. This episode is sponsored by Byheart. Byheart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, alpha-lac, found in breast milk, as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. Byheart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. Byheart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connective parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I'm so glad you're here. And today I want to tell my parenting journey. I haven't talked about it in many years on this podcast. And so I'd like to really dive into how I got into connective parenting, where I came from and uh, where I've come. So I was a high school and elementary school teacher and a high school counselor. And I worked in public schools for nearly 13 years. And I loved being a teacher. And I loved working with kids. And I was fairly beloved by especially my high school kids. And I was asked to do all kinds of extra things with them. I took a group of kids to Mumbai for the World Social Forum. I became a coach for the track team. I was voted one of the top teachers in during one of the years that I spent at Santa Monica High School. I was always asked to be in the graduation procession. And I was often my office was filled when I was a counselor with kids just wanting to hang out. So I felt very comfortable around children, always the neighborhood babysitter growing up. And I used to say things like, kids and dogs like me. I don't know why. And to this day, kids and dogs do like me. And when I go to someone's house and they have a dog who's, you know, kind of shy or whatever, those dogs will always kind of like me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's my, the way I smell. I I have no idea, but dogs tend to, to like me and kids always gravitate towards me. And I, I always felt very comfortable around children. And so I deeply wanted more than anything to be a mom. And um, my ex-husband and I tried really hard to have kids and we ended up having to use fertility to become pregnant with Esme. And it was a long road. And if anybody who's gone through fertility knows that it's it can be very confusing and, and very hard to rationalize the fact that you're not getting pregnant. But we were lucky enough that we did get pregnant and I was overjoyed. I mean, I had her name picked out immediately. 
I um, had the nursery done months and months in advance. I painstakingly picked out all of the little pieces of the nursery. I researched all of the thingamabobs and all of the um, baby things that I needed. And I was very excited about being a mom. I wanted to take some time off of work. I was really excited about my maternity leave and seemed like the next natural step in my life was to be a mom. And my birth was crazy rapid. I had her naturally with no medication. She was kind of easy to birth. And I was pretty happy in those first couple of weeks. She slept a lot and things were easy. And then she began to cry. That kid never stopped crying. And it rattled my nervous system to no end. And she wouldn't sleep on anything except for me. And I didn't know that that was normal. I thought it was abnormal. She only slept for 40 minutes at a time. And she was really hard. And I dove deeply into this idea of attachment. I wanted to be an attached mom. I wanted to wear her. I wanted to you know, respond to her every need. I didn't want to do the cry it out method. I, you know, I really wanted to be what I thought, quote unquote, was a good mom. So I read all the books and I did all the things and she still cried. She cried and she cried and she cried. And I know I had postpartum depression, but I didn't even know what postpartum depression was, but I would cry a lot too. And finally, and when she was like a year and a half and after I did end up sleep training her and I have lots of regrets about that, she slept. And I slept too. And I got a little better. And she she was okay. She was a pretty good kid. We had a good time. We spent all our time together. We were attached at the hip. I loved her dearly. And she soon became in, came into her own, came into her own personality and came into this strong-willed personality, this strong-willed, very sensitive personality. And pretty soon she started to fight against me and tell me no. And that sent me soaring. I couldn't believe the kid that I left sleep on me day in and day out, the kid that I made the organic baby food for and all the things that she was going to tell me no. I thought if I did what the book said, (laughs) that somehow I just wouldn't have any sort of conflict. That was the ridiculous notion I had in my head. And maybe that's because of the relationship I shared with my students, that there wasn't pushback. They loved me. All I had to do was be good to them and they were good to me back. But I wasn't their mom. And I didn't realize that the mom-child relationship was different and that my child was pushing back because that's naturally what she was supposed to do. But it sent me into an emergency. I couldn't take it. You weren't allowed to push back in my house. No, I grew up with parents who you had to toe the line. And if you didn't, you were going to be yelled at. You were going to be chastised. You were going to be you know, told that you were wrong. I tell this story, but I'm going to say it again, that she refused to put her shoes on. I was pregnant. She was two years, eight months when Pia was born. So she must have been two and a half. And she took that shoe that I was like, no, you're going to put on your shoe. You have to put your shoe on. And I was insisting that she put on the shoe. And I was pregnant and I was tired and I was irritable and I'd been throwing up and it was not good. And she took that shoe and she threw it as hard as she could down the hallway in my house that I kept immaculate and perfect because I was a perfectionist and a cuckoo person. 
I mean, an insane person about the cleanliness of my house and the way it looked and what book was here and what plant was there. And like, it was, I was not well. I was in deep control. And her throwing that shoe down that hallway, that's it. That pushed me over the damn edge. So I yelled. I actually, I screamed. I screamed in her face, you won't put your shoe on. And I scared that poor sweet kid. I really scared her. And she cried and she cried and she was mad. And she threw the shoe again, I think. And I don't know exactly know where we ended up, but we both ended up in tears and we did end up getting to the park. But everything changed that moment. I became harder. I became more callous to her. And I thought in the back of my head, well, the the yelling got her shoes on and it got us to the park. And is it that bad that you yell at your kid once in a while? And so I operated in this way, but then the yelling became more frequent and that I didn't like. And so I started going to bed really upset and crying and worried that I was yelling too much. So then I tried, you know, the star chart. Then pretty soon Pia was born. So I really needed her to behave. And I, I felt this space between Esme and I when Pia was born. I felt this big space start to happen. She was spending a lot of time with her dad, a lot of time with my dad. And I was, you know, preoccupied with taking care of Pia. And I kind of handed Esme off. I really like ushered her to these two men in my life that were my helpers, you know, my nannies, my mannies, I like to call them. But I would, I'd usher this poor kid off to them because I couldn't handle it. I mean, breastfeeding and taking care of another crying baby for me was putting me over the edge. I didn't necessarily want two kids. This was an accident. We didn't know we could get pregnant. We ended up getting pregnant naturally with the second kid. It was not in our plan. I adore this sweet girl. She's the love of my life, this Pia, but she was not necessarily planned. We accepted her, of course, with open arms and wanted her deeply. But I was a little shaken by the whole thing. One kid was going to be enough for me. Now I had two. And I also went into, I think, postpartum depression. And I was really trying hard to do it differently with Pia. I didn't want to sleep train her. And I wanted to really be there for her in the ways I was there for Esme. But it was difficult because I had Esme now. I had to deal with her. But I pushed her away some. And I pushed her off into her other caretakers. And I think it really damaged the relationship that we shared. So I went along on my star chart extravaganza and Esme loved it. I mean, she wanted to work hard for those stars because that's at, you get enough stars, you get a prize. You get that prize, it made her feel good. And for a while there, it really worked. That reward system really worked until it didn't work, until she didn't care about the prizes that she got. She didn't care about the stars and they didn't make sense for her anymore. And it, the novelty wore off and she wasn't that into it. So then I moved into taking things. If you are unkind, if you're mean to your sister, if you say something mean, if you do this, if you do that, you don't brush your teeth, then I'm going to take your precious toy away, whatever it was. And I would even go as far as taking her blankie, which was her prized possession. If she stepped too far, I would say, that's it, I'm taking your blankie. And that would put her in an emergency state. It was cruel and it was mean. And I have a lot of regrets about it, but I don't think I understood the gravity of what I was doing. And I think I was depressed and I think I was in a bad place. And I, I don't think I really understood parenting at all. But I continued to read the books and I continued to go to bed thinking, this isn't right. Something's not right. And then one day 
the girls were in the pool. And I had Pia swimming before she was walking because we had a pool and I didn't want any accidents in that pool. And we had this incredible instructor, Rock. If anybody is in LA and you need a good instructor, please contact me, Rock, R-O-C. He's incredible. Best swim instructor you'll ever have. He instilled all this great you know, self-esteem in kids. I hope you're listening out there, Rock. And so he had Pia swimming before she was walking. So she was survival swimming. She was flipping over on her back. We were all in the pool with her and it was really amazing. And um, so the girls were in the pool. And I think Esme was five and Pia was three and they were both fully swimming. So I was sitting at the edge of the pool with my clothes on and I was watching them. I was making sure everything was okay, but they were fully capable of swimming that entire pool by themselves. But P, as we started getting a little rough with our sister in the water, and I was thinking, mm, this isn't feeling right. I don't know what's going on. She, you know, she's splashing her in their face and pushing her off the swim step. And pretty soon she held her under the water and I immediately jumped in and pulled Pia out and lost it. I was yelling at everyone and I was scared. And it was a really dark moment in my parenting. And I, w- I went to bed crying that night. And I can cry just thinking about it now that it shouldn't, it shouldn't have gotten there, but it, it did get there. And um, I'm, you know, I'm very regretful that it got there, that they got to a place that was so bad that, that Esme was feeling so bad that she wanted to hurt her sister because she adores her sister. But, um, you know, I think that it was an important place for us to get because I needed to, I needed to recognize that what was going on was serious and that. I needed to change. My one-on-one coaching is where parents have the aha and epiphany moments. Join me and find your parenting peace. My one-on-one coaching packages will see an increase on February 10th. If you have been or are interested in coaching, now's the time to get started. Find the link in my show notes or go to peaceandparentingla.com forward slash private hyphen sessions and find more peace in your parenting today. That next Monday, I went to a retreat for our elementary school and I was highly involved in the school and I, I loved volunteering and being there. And um, we went to a day-long retreat learning how to be a facilitator in school through the Anti-Defamation League, I believe. And so we were doing a, um, a share in a circle and everyone was passing the you know talking piece around and we were sharing something about our children. And um, I got the talking piece and I started bawling. I couldn't stop crying. I was inconsolable because this pool thing had happened the day before and I couldn't shake it. And some lovely parents came up to me and one in particular, and she said, you know what? You really should check out Hand in Hand Parenting. And I was like, great, please send it to me. And she's like, I have have an instructor and she's been great with my family. And maybe you would consider hiring her. And I called this woman the next day and I hired her sight unseen because I was desperate. It was expensive. It was a lot of money and I didn't care. I scraped it together because I needed to make some change. And I convinced my husband at the time to go with me to these sessions. And the first session we had, I just started crying. And I just realized like, it was me. It was all me. Sure, I had a strong-willed, highly sensitive kid. I had two kids. I had postpartum depression. I was doing it pretty much all on my own. 
my ex, you know, he traveled two weeks a month. So he was gone for two weeks. I was doing it by myself through the help of my lovely dad, who half the time he did amazing and half the time he didn't know what he was doing. But it was still me. It was my dysregulation, my inability to stay calm, my unthoughtful way I thought about parenting, my rewards, my punishments. And those things were not serving me. And as soon as I realized that, it all came crashing down that something had to change. And that thing that had to change was me because they were kids. They're not going to change. But I'm a full-grown adult and I have the capacity, hopefully, to make changes in my pedagogy, in my thought process, in my in the way in which my, my ideology, in the way in which I think about parenting. So I began to change. I really did. I worked so hard. I'm that person where you tell me that we're going to do something and I'm doing it to the umpteenth degree. You know, like I am going to study everything. I'm going to make this my plate in life. And I loved those kids deeply in my heart and soul. I still do. And I would do anything for them. So I started studying like nobody's ever studied. And I started working hard like no one's ever worked. And I made it my mission to build connection with these sweet kids, most especially my Esme, who dearly needed it, who I think without this, I would have lost her because she is really strong, really strong. And she's, you know, SPD. And she's highly sensitive, like ultra sensitive. And that child doesn't do well with bribing and threatening and punishment. Those kind of kids just, they will really fight you to the end and they will make everything hard, really hard. Everything with them is hard. They're hard kids to parent. You know, they're very, they have a lot of emotions. And and for somebody who comes from a family where only adults are have, allowed to have emotions, you know, it's it's difficult to manage. So we stuck in and we started special time and I started listening to tantrums for hours. I mean, hours on end. I would listen to tantrums for two hours sometimes with Esme, her old, deep, dark, stuffed feelings that I had pushed away, I had punished away, I had shamed away all came to the surface. And so for those first few weeks, I mean, we were eating sandwiches. We were eating whatever we could that was out of the pantry because I was just, I was spending hours connecting with the, through these tantrums and special time and play. And like, it was hard work. And I dedicated every moment to making that happen for her because I wanted her to do better. And the minute I, the first tantrum I listened to, I remember it was like an hour and a half. She was spitting at me and she was rolling around on the ground and she was kicking me and she was trying to destroy her room and all of the things. And when she came through that first tantrum, I felt her again. I felt our bond again. I felt this deep adoration to her again. I could see her again because she was just like a problem for me before. And finally she became a person. Um, I'm sorry. I didn't think I was going to be crying in this at all, but I guess that's what's happening. So I was hooked. I was like, oh my gosh, 
connection works. I can do this. It's going to be hard, but I can do this. I can be there for her. And I worked really hard to get there. And it was not easy. And it took, you know, it took months. And I met with my coach for, I think we met for four months together because I just, I couldn't do it on my own. I needed so much help. And she helped me get there. And after those four months, things every day got better. And we would have these huge wins. I would have these huge breakthroughs where she would, Esme would tell me these incredible things and I would deeply feel next to her. And then we would have horrible days where she would have huge tantrums and she never got all the feelings out. And I didn't feel like that great release sometimes. And it was a, it was an arduous road. It was very circuitous. It was not this you know, steady, strong, here we go. It was two steps forward and one step back and it was hard. And then somewhere in all of it, uh, Pia started having feelings too. And I couldn't believe it because she was my, you know, oh, she knows how to self-regulate. Now, actually, she just doesn't want to sell. She doesn't want to show you how she feels because she's scared. But she did. She started having big feelings too. And I started really sitting with her and she was the kid that said, I don't want to have a tantrum. And she was not the, you know, I'm going to rip up things. She was the go away. Don't be around me. Don't come here. Because if you come here, I know that my feelings will come. And if my feelings come, then I can't take it. And so she, she had different tantrums and I had to come to her differently, but I came to her, you know, and, and that's what I'll say too. Like every kid's different, but connection works for every kid. It's just, how do you, you know, craft it for each kid? Esme was the keeping safe and Pia was more like keeping close, you know? So we worked really hard. I worked really hard. I got the kids to a much better place. My ex-husband was really good. He was on board too and he was helping and he didn't do it quite right. And, you know, I wanted to chastise him through it all, but he he did his best and he 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 was super helpful. And even my dad, my dad came through and he started reading all the material and trying things and letting go of, you know, the idea of punishment. And he was a trooper. And he, he still is. He's an incredible asset for me and my girls. And he he's hand in hand all the way. So he does all that connection stuff. So then I decided, wow, if I don't know this stuff, I'm a teacher. I've worked in education for 13 years. I have a master's degree in education. I read every book there is to read, but I didn't truly understand. I understood attachment and I got it, but I didn't truly understand how to connect with my kid. And it wasn't just special time. That was like, that's great, but that is not connective parenting. It was all these other aspects. It was how do I form a deep bonded relationship with my child in every moment of the day, in the little moments, in the big moments, in all the moments? Am I coming with self-regulation? Am I able to take care of myself enough to do this work? It was so many things. So I thought, people don't know this. I have to tell everybody. So I started telling my friends and they were like, yeah, 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 cool. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get it. You, you like parenting. Awesome. And then I started begging some of them, can you please take, I'm gonna, I want to practice on you my classes because I'm becoming a coach. And, and can you come to my house and take a free class because I want to um, practice. And they came, <laughs> they came for free. And I converted a lot of them. And they became my guinea pigs and they were having the same moments and they were coming with the same tears and the same upset and the same hurts and the wounds. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're all here together. 
we are all feeling this. It's not just me, but I was so quiet about it. I was so in my perfectionism and I was so worried about what pillow was on my stupid couch that I, I didn't think about the rest. So these lovely women allowed me to guinea pig them. And I did that for, you know, like a year, a year and a half. And then I started posting on Instagram about it and nobody, nobody came. <laughs> nobody liked anything. I mean, not nobody, my sweet friends did and, and my acquaintances did. And 10 people would say, oh, I love this post. It's really great. And I, I, I kept at it though. And, and that was 2018, I think. I just kept posting every day and I kept posting like my experiences and my, my failures. I had lots of failures. I had lots of... If you go back in my Instagram, you go way back. You can read some incredible stories actually of my failures and my successes and like just my process. It was all my process back then. And pretty soon more people started following me. And then pretty soon I got like real clients who paid me money. And I thought, wow, this is cool. I can like, I can really help people. I can help people find more peace and more connection. And I had these incredible people that trusted me to help them. And you know, at the in the beginning, I, I probably wasn't that good at it. <laughs> you know, I was um, I was new. But what I knew back then is that I felt the same ways in which these people felt when they came to me. And so, if I could relate to them on that level that I could help them get to a new place. And if I had these understandings of connection, that I could convey that. And it worked. And people kept coming and they kept referring other people. And pretty soon everything came together and I was I was coaching people. And it was the most incredibly rewarding work to help someone do what I did because what I did, I thought, was this huge transformation. And so helping people do that same transformation really felt good. And I wanted to work again. And I wanted that work to be fulfilling. And I wanted to do good because as a teacher, I was always looking to do good. And that I loved my work as a teacher. And so it just, it felt like a natural progression for me. And then I started the podcast in 2019 with Sweet Gemma. And she begged, she be- made me do it. She said, you got to do a podcast. And she was one of my former clients. And I said, okay, let's do it. And, and uh, then we just kept kept chucking along until she wanted to homeschool her kids. And so she had to step aside. And so now she's homeschooling her sweet boys. And I took it on myself, which I was so scared, but I did it. And here we are. And now I work tirelessly to help other people. And I still work on my parenting and it's still not perfect. You know, I I still mess up sometimes and I still have days where it doesn't feel good and I don't have those huge wins anymore. So those huge wins really kept me going and I do have wins, but they're, they don't feel like they did in 2014. They, they feel differently now and um, that's okay. I, I love the relationship and what I can say now is that the relationship I share with these teenage girls is out of a storybook to me. Now it isn't perfect and it's messy you know, Esme will say things that she shouldn't say to me or that, you know, aren't kind, but she always apologizes and Pia withdraws more than I'd like. And they aren't perfect people, but it feels good. It feels like we're coming from a place of love and unconditional love and understanding. And they accept me for my mistakes and I accept them for theirs. And we always make amends and we move through and it's messy. It's rupture and it's repair, but it's good. So if you're worried that this connection stuff doesn't work for older kids or that you'll ruin them or that they won't, you know, understand the the consequences of life. It just isn't true. 
my girls do quite well in this world and I'm very proud of them and I'm proud of the relationship that I share with them. And that's my story. So I published a book. It's called Unpunished. It's coming out very soon. And a lot of this story and other stories of mine and of clients that I've had are in that book. And they give us hope, you know, these stories. And they also help us feel not so alone. So I hope you will check out Unpunished and read some about some of those stories. It's also going to be on audiobooks. You can listen to it too. I'm I'm going to voice it next week. Let's hope I, I get through. I don't even know what I'm doing. But I hope that it brings you some insight, insight into the idea of connection and insight into the idea that you're not alone in your struggles. So thank you for joining me on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you guys next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.